Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump. We're in Chapter 11 of the podcast talking about relational type theory. And I wanted to say, I, I hope that this chapter hasn't been like too technical or too abstract or hard to follow what I'm saying on the air. Sorry if it has been. I guess that's a little bit the danger of talking about something that's kind of more really right at the cusp of what I'm you know, thinking about. But I wanted to have a little bit lighter conversation today about um, this notion of equality and identity. And I, if you listen to my last episode about this stuff, you, I was talking about how really kind of wish I could avoid having an identity type, like a primitive identity, notion of identity in relational type theory. But so far, I didn't figure out how to avoid that. And I wanted to share a little bit with you why... I kind of am a little disappointed that I wasn't able to see how to do that and that there seemed to be some, at the moment, looks like kind of fundamental reasons why you sort of need to have that kind of a type. And that's a type that just says these two things are the same. Just absolutely not the same in terms of, you know, some interface or some other, you know, more flexible notion, but like literally just bolt for bolt, nut for nut, the same. And so the reason I, I want to talk about this sort of a, a notion of identity, and it's kind of, this is a little more late topic for me because now I want to, you know, touch on some more sort of software design and, and kind of even philosophy sort of questions. I mean, you know, if you think about, like, think about object-oriented software, right? And you're kind of told, you know, oh, okay, we're going to have set up some class hierarchy for... Um, some business management software and, you know, it's, um, or maybe for, you know, HR or something and it's going to have a notion of an employee and a notion of a manager or a notion of this or that. And these different kind of concepts, um, are going to be related in some class hierarchy. And, you know, when you see, you know, in, in undergrad classes, you sort of textbook cases of object oriented design and sort of concept decomposition and stuff it, it sort of seems like it makes pretty good sense but honestly that stuff is just come on that is just ridiculous i if i have if i have a strong opinion about something in software it's that that kind of design in general is hopeless hopeless okay and it's very easy to find many cases and anyone who's working you know trying to design class hierarchies for things i think would tell you that well at the least, they would say it's, you know, it's a, quite an art to design a good sort of decomposition of the concepts of your problem domain. But the reality is, what, what I object to is the idea that there's a single correct decomposition of the problem. There just, there isn't. And that's partly coming from even a philosophical perspective, right? If I look at, or before I get to that, like, just think about, I was trying to think of a silly example that would kind of make the point. Say I'm kind of like, okay, I'm going to have some class hierarchy for vehicles and I have, you know, um, I've got planes and I've got cars and stuff like that. Um, uh, what if I have a duck boat? Isn't that what they call them? These things that are like amphibious, you can, they can drive on the road and you can just drive them right into the water and they, you can putter along and as, a, as a kind of boat with them. And you say, ah, don't worry, we have multiple inheritance. A duck boat can be a boat and a car or a truck. <laughs> you kind of, okay, that sounds fine. Hooray, multiple inheritance to save the day. You say, but you know what? Um, all of a sudden, I want to use my software. Um, I want to deal with 
uh, light bulb installations, okay? And I've got things that are bulbs and things that accept bulbs. And guess what? A duck boat accepts bulbs. And it's like, you say, okay, okay, maybe I can multiply inherit it again. The duck boat is a car and a boat and a light bulb receptacle. And maybe I can use traits and mix-ins and blah, blah. And it's kind of like, mess, mess, mess. Yuck, yuck, yuck. <laughs> there isn't... There isn't a single correct decomposition of your problem into concepts. And if you look at reality, if you sort of think like maybe we could make this work for software somehow and not just avoid a steaming pile of mess, well, but just think about reality. All these different levels of abstraction, to use sort of computer science way of thinking about it, but, um, you know, general ideas you know, general concepts, lots and lots of different concepts apply to describe something, right? Like a tree, you know, can be viewed in so at so many different levels. It can be viewed at its chemical, biological, its atomic, its subatomic levels. It can be viewed in its social capacities, how it interacts in an environment. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And the idea that when you sort of set up a description of something, you're going to pick a single intrinsic decomposition of your concepts to describe your domain is, come on, it's hopeless. It's hopeless. It's, at the very best, you could try that as some kind of approximation that would never be able to be continued close to what the reality really is. Okay, so... So to me, the idea of saying, I can tell you what something is. I mean, even in physics, right? It's kind of like, what is an object? You're like, oh, okay, it consists of these, you know, atoms. And, and, but they have subatomic structure. And at some point, well, first of all, regardless of what the lowest, absolute lowest subatomic level of identity uh, of nature, their nature is, at some point as we, you know, who have only the most rudimentary armchair knowledge of this sort of thing, that's, that's me, um, we understand that we can't measure at some point we whatever is going on at some teeny tiny sub um, atomic quantum level we can't measure it so it might as well just be unknown right we measure it and we affect it so we can't measure it in a way that doesn't affect it uh, so in some sense the, the the ultimate identity of reality as we can know it there isn't really a good sort of the buck stops here like we push far enough down and um, we can't know exactly what's going on. Um, and so, uh, of course, that doesn't stop us from having useful physical and chemical and biological and higher level characterizations of things. But um, to me, having this sort of raw identity type that says these two program expressions are equal, they are beta, eta equal, it's a bit of a pity because it feels a little bit like that, that I've got some kind of the buck stops here, absolutely fundamental identification of my programs and not this kind of fluid, um, you know, just constantly, you know, flexible sort of view on the reality of things. And so, you know, I guess you could say, do my human views and concepts of reality, um, is, there, is that kind of all I have to work with or do I get something sort of more fundamental in my theory, and you might, when you describe it that way, it might sound like you want that, but I'm sort of saying, I don't know, I, it makes me worried that part of your theory has this sort of basic identity concept bolted in. Um, well, I, I mean, if you're listening to this, you might think, um, that doesn't phase me, boss. <laughs> that sounds okay. I mean, regular old, 
you, you know, traditional type theory, you know, has no problem with this intrinsically typed terms. Like when I write down a program, I have to sh tell you what kind of typing view of it I, I want to take. And that's, that's all I can do. I mean, certainly, you know, we're doing a lot better than that by having even just curry style typing that lets us have um, assign multiple types to a term so we can take multiple views of it. Um, and uh, yeah, so anyway, so I, I think at the moment I personally am just have to learn live with this, and maybe some maybe over time there'll be some different, more philosophical assessment of, you know, okay, having this basic identity type, um, which as I mentioned in the last episode, I just I really just seems to be necessary because you need it for this identity inclusion lemma, and it doesn't seem possible. Again, I don't have proofs that this is impossible. I mean, it's quite you know, quite reasonable that maybe I just don't see how to do it. That, that would hardly be the first time um, that's happened, but it does seem like a sticky point. Uh, and so it sort of looks like, you know, we might have to have these, uh, this basic identity type. Anyway, I'm back from a bagel run as it happens. And so it's time for me to stop talking, but uh, thank you very much for listening uh, to me talk about these matters. Shoot me an email at, uh, at my, you know, university email if you like to share your thoughts on any of this sort of thing or anything else we're talking about. And otherwise, thank you for listening and have a good day wherever you are.